Welcome to Digging Up Ag Podcast. Through sharing research-based information from the University of Kentucky, our goal is to help you successfully enrich your farming enterprise while cultivating knowledge and expertise in agriculture. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to Digging Up Ag Podcast. I'm Adam Huber, the Agriculture and Natural Resources Extension Agent in Appling County, Kentucky. I'm here with Mr. Kevin Lyons in Monroe County and Adam Estes in Hart County. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing this morning? Doing great. How's, how are you guys today? I'm doing, doing good, too. Good. Couldn't be better. Good. We got the email that we could go home. At, this is the day before <laughs> Thanksgiving. We got the email yep. from our from our bosses that we could work from home this afternoon so i'm looking forward to a big long afternoon of hard work at home there you go <laughs> take it take it take it take it easy the rest of the day yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of lots of turkey and dressing tomorrow huh? that's right i gotta, you gotta get in shape yeah that's right you gotta get prepared for the long the long couple of days and weekends of uh of turkey eating mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure yeah <laughs> yeah and speaking of speaking of holidays of course there's halloween thanksgiving christmas and there's probably some other ones in between that are you know we kind of really uh prep for and you know are kind of our main ones what are what is your all's favorite holiday Oh, let's see. I'm I kind of big on Christmas, and then I like uh, Fourth of July. It's kind of a a good one too. But uh, I guess Christmas would have to be my favorite, and probably Halloween my least favorite. But just well, because I'm gonna, it just I'm going to have to follow to suit with Kevin on that one. I agree with him 100. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think uh, that we all agree on that. Uh, Christmas is my. F- absolute favorite holiday um it's funny because yesterday we were uh, on our way back from a, a doctor's appointment and it, inside our our doctor's office there they uh they had christmas music playing of course you know we even aren't even to december yet and so that kind of <laughs> got me in mood and after the doctor's visit we did a little bit of uh, shopping and whatnot and of course all the stores you know they're kind of uh decorated up for christmas and they got you know deals and sales and all this stuff and all that so that kind of got me excited for christmas and then on the way home i was like i told my wife i said why don't you just turn on some christmas music <laughs> so we, we listen to christmas music all the way home well, i think, I think my we're wife up the tree and the all the decorations this weekend <laughs> i think my wife has had the tree up since i believe since the first of november she informed oh, me well. yesterday that Friday after Thanksgiving we're going to be putting up outside decorations. Oh, yeah. well, at least you did take them down from last year. So even if you put them, <laughs> even if you put them up early, that that's still good. Yeah. It's it's yeah. when you don't ever take them down, it kind of gets to be a little bit of a a, a deal. But uh, uh, yeah, Regina, my wife, she loves Christmas. It's by far her favorite, and she's still a big kid at heart most of the time on stuff like that. But uh, yeah, our tree's been up for about a week. Usually, it's the day after Thanksgiving. She she'll yep. fly in on it. But she said she just wanted to get it done a little earlier this time, so there enjoy you go. it a little bit longer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I really I don't know just something about it being cold outside and like I just like the smells of Christmas. They like the food and like the desserts and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And Sugar just cookies. Being, yeah, in the yeah. movies, like yeah, I love Christmas movies. Yeah, oh, yeah, 
Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Oh, you gotta you gotta go with uh National Lampoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Clark. That's right. <laughs> Get yourself something real nice. Real nice. Uh, <laughs> have the ha- ha- happiest Christmas we've ever had. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go with that one. That one's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I could probably watch that movie either in the middle of summertime. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, it was on just a night or two ago. First first time I'd seen it. Uh, on this season so yeah got to relive all the all the good <laughs> taglines in there yeah 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 i might go home and watch that tonight actually yeah. <laughs> i like seeing the pictures that people put on social media when they have their christmas parties and stuff and there's always mm-hmm. somebody dressed up as cousin eddie yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Empty yeah. in the tank on his camper. <laughs> yeah. Standing out there. Yeah. yeah that's, what, that's pretty funny. <laughs> really, the only drawback that I to our Christmas is, is uh, all the Lifetime movies that I kind of have to share. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to watch some basketball and football, I have to watch equal amount of Lifetime movies. Right. Most of the time, I will I will kind of tune tune out at that point, but. Yeah, 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 they're they're kind of uh, uh, a little too uh, syrupy sometimes, and uh-huh. for me, but I guess it's just a Scrooge coming out in me. But yeah, <laughs> there's there's an abundance of those, that's for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of cold weather, uh, we probably need to talk about a little bit of ag stuff today. Um, so speaking of cold weather, you know, we obviously um, this year in Kentucky. Uh, for the most part, our, our hay was kind of short for the most part. Um, so that's something we need to kind of talk about as far as if, you know, if you're a livestock producer, we need to kind of think about starting to inventory our, our, our hay supply and kind of seeing, you know, what we're going to need uh, for the upcoming, you know, winter months. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Estes. You know, around here, I don't, I mean, I'll chime in on what you said a little bit there, Adam, too. Um, it was kind of sporadic around here. We had some people that were saying they were short on hay. We've had some people say that they put out or put up probably as much or more than they ever have. Um, and then a lot of those people also fought with, uh, you know, for a lot of the, especially the earlier part of the summer, we were really wet and struggled a lot of times getting dry hay up. A lot of hay ended up being wrapped, which is not a bad thing, but, um, sometimes it was wrapped because, <laughs> It may have got wet, you know, in the mm-hmm. windrow or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, we like to encourage people, especially this time of year, to think about their their winter hay needs. Kind of figuring up an inventory of what you got, how many cattle you got, um, roughly what you think they're going to eat. That way, that way you're not waiting until you know later in the in the spring before we uh, before you think, hey, I'm I'm going to be running out of hay, and then you have to go buy some because it may or may not be there. Um, another thing, um, Kevin, you could probably chime in a little more on this if you want to, is, is hay testing. You know, it's something that we can offer to do here. We've got a couple avenues that, that we can send hay off to, but it's equally important, I think, to as far as knowing your inventory, also knowing what you got in that hay. Um, you know, you all the time hear people say, well, it beats a snowball. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know because sometimes you can get some water out of a snowball. Where oh, that's they're, true, they're chewing on some of these uh, saw briars. They may actually be losing losing ground. But uh, yeah, I understand the concept. It does. It does fill their gut. But uh, yeah, I, that's I about agree. all it does. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's, that's <clears throat> a 
the the result isn't all that great. But uh, yeah, but uh, on the hay testing, I think I've got this right. But y'all may have to help me. Uh, Kentucky Department of Ag they'll test dry hay, but do they test baleage now? I, I think, think they it... can on site, but yeah. you don't get a lot of. Uh, you get the basic necessities back on that test. You know, okay. if you're really trying to formulate a ration, then we probably need to go something like dairy one or something. Okay. You know, another avenue. Correct. Yeah. I usually send our, our wet stuff uh, samples to Waters Lab in Owensboro and the dry hay. I'll still send to uh, Kentucky Department of Ag, but uh, it just seems like that some of these other services that do a little bit better job maybe than Kentucky Department of Ag on the wet samples. So, uh, we get a few of those occasionally, and uh, some either silage or, or wrap baleage. Uh, but it's very important to know what you've got, and uh, it's kind of something we've talked about for a long time and probably still will keep talking about it because it's just a kind of a, a continual process of remembering and, and kind of updating and educating the producers and producers uh, learning some uh, management skills that maybe they – haven't always thought about and hay testing is one of those that's easy, simple, uh, and it pays big benefits for the cost <clears> that you've got in it. And it's just kind of the good foundation of your program as far as your uh, nutritional program for your livestock. Uh, you know, you got to know what you have and um, you got to know how much of it you have. And going in, it's a lot better to be prepared than it is trying to, like uh, Esther said, trying to scramble and find something at the end. It's not always feasible to do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, you want your livestock coming out of the winter in good condition as possible, getting ready to, if the spring cabin, getting getting them ready and fit for that. Uh, and if they're fall cabin, you know, during the breeding time and the early pregnancy is just as important. Uh, but uh, hay testing is something that we, we definitely want to uh, promote and hope people will uh, if you hadn't been doing that if you hadn't been soil testing all those uh, regulatory services type things those diagnostic uh, services that we can help you with we'll be glad to do it yeah absolutely and i kind of put it to folks who like this you know you wouldn't some people would but <laughs> most people, some are people not do gonna, yeah <laughs> most people that are good managers and kind of you know are into it you know they're not gonna raise a crop of corn they're not gonna raise a garden they're not gonna raise you know whatever without doing a soil sample right a soil mm -hmm. test right uh, it's gonna tell you what you need in your soil to help your plants grow healthy mm -hmm. so why would you not test your hay because it's essentially the same thing you're just testing your hay to grow your livestock you know you, you know your yeah. cattle uh you know goat sheep whatever livestock you may have you know, you're not, you want to make sure they're getting enough nutrients out of what you're giving them so they can, you know, you know, grow strong, healthy, you know, uh, uh, whenever they, especially whenever they, you know, are having calves or, or kids or whatever, uh, you know, livestock species it may be. So you want to make sure that you got, you know, enough of, uh, you know, all of your hay uh, sample levels are where they need to be because, just say if you do have some hay that is, uh, you know, not where it needs to be nutritional wise, mm -hmm. you may have to think about doing some supplementation, um, you know, with, with feed or, uh, you know, mineral blocks or whatever that, however you're planning on supplementing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of way I kind of look at it, you know, is you wouldn't do, you know, this without doing this. So and it's the same, same way with your livestock as far as, as far as that goes. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I'll, I'll bring this up. Um, I noticed we just got the off the hoof newsletter here a few days ago, and Les Anderson talks about in there about and Kevin, you touched on this a little bit, but as far as um, making sure they're in good body condition, especially coming out of out of winter, he talks specifically about you know, and it's important that once we get those hay tests, matching the different classes of livestock to that hay. You know, mm-hmm. obviously your your best hay is going to need to go toward cattle that's got calves on their side or growing cattle. Then your lower quality hay can be fed to those dry cows or your cows like right now that is between, you know, we wean their calves off and, you know, they're going to calve February, March, April, whatever. You know, those can use lesser quality hay. But he makes a point out in that off-the-hoof newsletter that, you know, you want, they can eat low-quality hay, but we don't want them to lose body condition. Absolutely. Yep. You don't want them going backwards. They can handle that low quality hay, but if they need supplementation, then you still need to do that to keep them in that good body condition score. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, that brought up something that uh, happened last week. It's it's happened different times, but this was just a recent thing. A young man wanted his feed tested. He had a home mix that he was grinding himself there on his farm. Uh, corn, so little soybean meal, putting a little hay in there. He just, he, you know, you want to know what the protein was in it. So I said, yeah, we send it off. I said, he said, uh, I said, is that all you want tested, or you want, you know, a little bit more than that? I was trying to uh, lead him. And he said, I think the protein will be enough. And so we had a, a little talk about the energy. You know, sometimes we get hung up on protein, and but if the energy isn't in there. Uh, it could cause a whole nother set of issues. And so that's a couple of things. Just get you a good, you know, you don't have to get down to all the micronutrients, but you need, uh, you know, you need to know what's in your hay, what's in your feed. Um, you know, the protein is definitely uh, probably top thing on most people's mind, but the energy that you need for, for maintenance and lactation and growth, if that's not there, then your animals will lose body condition and they won't be able to produce the milk they need to, to grow that beef calf or that whatever, like Huber said, whatever livestock you got, this applies across all, all the species. Um, but it's it's kind of a, a thing where we, we've kind of been taught, you know, I'm going to feed a 12% or I'm going to feed a 14% and just kind of a shot in the dark. So uh, you may or may not need that. You may need something a little stronger. Uh, but the only way you're going to know is, is to test test everything that's going in them and, and kind of balance it out. And it will definitely save you some money uh, one way or another, just like a soil test. It will, if you're a little deficient, you'll, you'll need to add something to get your maximum potential. And if you're, you don't want to overfeed something, you don't want to buy something you don't, that they don't need and be feeding something that they don't need, and that will save you some money as well. Um, but the energy is important, the TDN, relative feed value, four or five different things there that are probably, you need more, you need to know more about it than, than just the protein in it. I agree. Uh, you can also, I mean, along the same lines of the importance of testing, hey, I'm going to be honest with you, you can be fooled by what you got. I tested some recently that looked and smelled awesome. It was some really fine cut fall it was a fall clipping hay um and by looks and by smell you would think this stuff was going to be really good we got the test back on it and it was terrible yep. so again the importance of testing hay i'll the the uk 
UK has the beef team have has come out with something in the past couple of years that's pretty handy. You could actually go to Google or whatever whatever uh, site you use there, but you could just type in UK beef cow supplementation tool, and usually that'll be one of the first couple of things that pops up. But you could take that say, that hay sample and just with a, just a few clicks of adding some information, it can tell you what supplements you may need. Um, for instance, it's going to ask you what the dry matter is of that hay what the crude protein is, what the NDF, which is your neutral uh, detergent fiber, and your TDM, which is your total digestible nutrients. And it's going to ask the stage of production, such as mid-gestation, late-gestation, or lactation. And then it'll give you, uh, you can select numerous different feed mixes. For instance, ones of straight corn or straight soy hulls, and you've got one that's 75% soy hulls and 25% gluten. Uh, and th there's just others that you can pick from as well. But then you can click on that, and this is based off of a. It's based off a twelve hundred pound cow. Is that right? That sounds about right. I think so. Yeah. So it's going to give you a recommendation based off of that. It may not tell you you may need to supplement nothing, uh, and mm -hmm. then uh, there again, it may need to tell you you need to supplement five or six pounds to get right. what that cow truly needs. Yep. yep. Chris Shop yep. does a good job every, uh, and I know we'll probably talk about this later on, but every year at our at the Tri-County Hay Auction down in Metcalf County, Shock does a um, presentation on interpreting hay samples. Does a really good job about, you know, telling by different stages of livestock what those cattle need. You know, if she's a dry cow, uh, if she's lactating, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Does a really good job at that. Yep, yep. He definitely, definitely does. And, uh, you know, lots of people will group their first calf heifers or uh, whatever, and uh, – I don't need the same thing, so uh, it's very good management tip to to put put your money where it needs to be put and uh, good information there. Absolutely, that tool is very helpful. I use it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, so Dr. Limcooler he, he sent this to us back whenever I first started. I think it was in 2019. <laughs> It's an Excel spreadsheet, basically, is what it is. And as far as, like, you know, talking about estimating your hay needs, uh, he put together a really, uh, really good uh, Excel spreadsheet here. It's called Estimating Winter Hay Needs for Beef Cattle. Um, I don't know if you all have seen that or, or used that or not, but it's really good. Um, basically, uh, it, it's really simple to use. And just, you know, if you are a listener and you – uh, don't know how to just say you don't know how to you know estimate how many bales of hay that you're going to need for the winter time mm -hmm. um, you can come you know to the extension office and then we can definitely help you out with that um, but if we using this uh, excel spreadsheet basically you put in you know the number of uh, mature cows you've got mature bulls if you've got replacement <clears throat> heifers you know if you how many calves you got uh, and you kind of get, you know, their average weights and that, that kind of information. And then off of your, uh, your hay test, uh, results, you put in the two, you put in your dry matter, uh, percentage, and then, um, it will also, um, calculate, uh, like your, the days that you think that you may, may feed, whether that's 120 or 150, whatever, whatever that may be. Um, and it will tell you at the end how many bales of hay that you're going to need for that particular time, you know, time period. Um, it also calculates the loss 
the the hay loss for storage and feeding waste as well. So this is a really good uh, Excel spreadsheet that they put together from UK that will, it may not be exactly right at the end, but it's going to get you extremely close. It's going to be a lot better than guessing, you know, Yeah. Um, then, and, and, co and like, and that's another thing we probably need to kind of discuss too, is like hay storage, um, because you can really lose a lot of your, your hay, uh, depending on how you're storing it, you know, like outside on the ground, um, you're going to looking at 20 to 35% of hay loss. And so, you know, you kind of need to calculate that into your, your hay needs, uh, if you've got it just stored outside with no covering, um, and so, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can store hay. You can store it inside. Obviously, that would be the preferred method. You know, they've got uh, some really nice hoop barns that you can put up nowadays. And I think you can get some some help with that. There's some cost share stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just need to really think about your hay storage, you know, your amount of cattle that you're, or livestock that you've got and kind of, I like to say, just kind of really dig into the numbers on that. So you are for sure that you've got, you know, enough to last, you know, the wintertime. And, mm -hmm. and hopefully you've got some, you know, some extra hay, uh, you know, left over, if, especially if you got it stored inside. That way the next year, you know, you may not have to buy as much or, or whatever. Um, maybe use a field for pasturing instead of, of hay or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, a lot of different stuff that you can, can kind of uh, – uh, tools that you can use and resources that you can use to kind of help you along the way as far as that goes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the, when folks kind of run the same amount of cattle or, um, they've not really expanded their herd much or decreased it and kind of cutting the same amount of acres per hay every year, they kind of get a feel for kind of how much they're going to need. But, um, that still kind of leaves it a little bit to chance because you never uh, really know, and you know, has some people are done having to feed a little bit of hay where we've had such a dry October and, and the grass has kind of got short. You don't really know how soon you're going to have to feed it every year or how long you're going to have to go into the spring. So it's always a good idea to have some laid back if at all possible. Um, but you know, that, uh, calculating in you know they say well i need a roll for each cow one roll per month per cow you know kind of thing well that that sounds good but how how big is your roll you know and the, most of the time they're not as big as you think mm -hmm. but if you've been doing it for several years and you kind of get a feel for it but you know maybe you change balers or maybe somebody else is bailing it or it's just not uh, what it was the last year. Uh, so, you know, if you can, we, we did a little uh, demo on, on this at Metcalf County a year or so ago. You know, weigh a bale every now and then, see what you've got. And that'll yep. definitely help you on your calculations a little bit. So most of the time at the hay auction, is it's last Saturday in January every year, isn't it? Yes, first Saturday. Like, last that's Saturday. the first last, last Saturday. Last okay. Saturday. Last Saturday. Yeah, because yeah, I got mixed up last year. I thought it was always the fourth Saturday, but last year or one we had a fifth Saturday. So I was I was off there for a little while on my date. But um, you know, we weigh those when they come in over there and you know, historically, uh, the farmer always thinks it weighs a lot more than it really does. Yeah. And uh so that that's a little bit of a uh 
a learning process there on how, how much your bales weigh. So kind of got to know that a little bit to to calculate some of these things that you're using on these calculators <laughs> and get it get as accurate as possible. So you you know you can throw a bale on the back of a truck or a few on a wagon and run it across some scales somewhere and kind of get an idea of what your baler's putting out it will help you a lot. But the storage is is um, definitely a, a big issue as well. I mean, we, uh, we've got all this expense and time and uh, resources into that bale of hay. And then we kind of set it outside and just let it, uh, nature, kind of take a lot of that away. And that, that gets in your pocket. So if you're going to be in the livestock business long term uh, and want to make it uh, profitable as possible, really need to look at some type of storage whether you're putting some wrap on it is dry hay or baleage and like you said putting it in a barn is dry hay is probably the most common and, and most popular uh, but if you want to get ahead in the game of producing livestock and making some money at it you and you're not storing your hay uh, out of the weather it's going to be hard to do so that's, that's something we definitely encourage folks to look at is uh, putting up some good quality hay and then also storing it where it will keep. Yeah. Like you mentioned the, at... go ahead, go ahead. I'll go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I was just going to say, and you mentioned the, the hay auction. Um, and, and that was something I was going to kind of bring up too, is whenever you're buying hay, um, it's always good to ask the the seller for, uh those uh those hay test results too because you know you want to know what you're buying you want to make sure that you're getting you're you know paying what that hay is worth um because some folks you know they may may not uh you know they may be rolling up broom sedge you know there's a lot of that around this part of the the state um and of course you know broom sedge is not going to be very uh, palatable it's not going to be very nutritional and it's probably just going to be laying there on the ground because uh, they're not going to eat it so it's always a great idea to ask buyers or sorry sellers for you know those hay test uh, results uh, and if they don't have those available then i would you know get those or find another seller uh, just so you know what you're what you're buying and that's a good point with the um the hay auction is every every lot of hay that goes through the hay auction it gets it gets uh weighed but also gets tested so you know exactly what you're getting um from that seller and once you make that you know that uh kind of partnership with the seller um you know year after year if you, you know if you trust those folks then um you know that's always kind of what we're kind of what our goal is with the hay auction is to obviously bring buyers and sellers together um but like i say all you know always kind of keep that in the back of your head as far as whenever you're buying is to make sure that you are kind of getting you know your money's worth because you don't want to you know pay say eighty dollars a bale for for stuff that's you know not going to be uh nutritional for your animals for sure Kevin, you touched on hay storage, and I'll tell you something I like to, it's kind of for easy figuring, uh, you know, I have people say all the time, well, I can't afford to wrap dry hay. You know, there's a lot of dry hay wrapped now, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more so than haylage, I don't know, but, but you know, if you say, well, I can't afford to, to wrap my dry hay, well, uh, really, can you afford not to? Yeah. You know, if you, you talked about a 30% uh, loss if you store it outside, 
Well, I may be on the high side on this, but if you take eight or ten dollars cost to wrap a roll of hay, if that roll of hay is worth, let's just say fifty bucks, that's fifteen but fifteen dollars worth of loss there, right? Am I figuring mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you're already money ahead there. Yeah, and uh, you know the flip side is if you've got all those resources and inputs already in that roll of hay, and so you and you keep it outside and it goes all winter and kind of lose a big percentage of it. You you lost all that ex- expense there that you had in it is gone, and that's just off your bottom line. But then. Uh, you know, you may have to turn around and buy something to replace that. And so it's kind of a double double whammy on that sometimes. So uh, I don't uh, I don't see how uh, once you put the pencil to it and figure it, I think it's I think you're going to come out to the good every time on, on storing it. And like we said, if you're long term, uh, you need some permanent type storage for at least part for the bulk of it and then if you want to plastic wrap some of it or you know some like you said some people are getting where they just plastic wrap uh all their hay whether it's wet dry whatever um but uh that does get expensive but uh i think it's some type of permanent storage if you're in it for the long run will be a something you just need to really strongly consider i don't i don't see how folks can go year after year and expect to stay profitable and stay in the business when when they're uh, when they're producing that hay and then you know a third of it a third of it goes goes to waste so that's right. that's your biggest expense is your feed and uh, that's that's money that's going out of your pocket what about feeding strategies what do y'all see mostly as far as hay strategies or just overall feeding strategies or hay hay feeding strategies hay feed, uh we see more, more and more interest in unrolling those rolls, and I, I think it's a little more labor intensive. But I see a lot of advantages to that. Uh, we see some; it's across the board. We still see some set out with no ring, but that's that's not uh, very common anymore. Most folks will at least put it some kind of barrier between the animal and the hay. Uh, I really like those. Uh, structures where you can push the hay in from one end and the cows eat around three sides of it have a little roof over it some maybe some gravel some concrete around it uh, that's that's a good little uh system and there's lots of options for that uh, but it, it, we need to at least throw a <laughs> ring around it and then it's debatable whether you want to have one sacrifice area or move it around uh, but I, the unrolling i think is uh something that uh, would help some people um, with their pastures and with their hay consumption and reducing waste and and there's all kinds of plans and and options for the you know like the permanent wood feeders uh, that, that we're seeing more and more uh, those crop up around yeah i mean obviously there's pros and cons to each method you know that you just kind of talked about there and as far as you know what i usually see is um most of most of my producers are just setting the setting the the hay out and then putting rings around it and then kind of using the bale grazing method you know as far as scattering those bales different locations to uh kind of maximize your manure uh potential there for refertilization you know of the soil um 
you know, some folks will will continue to feed the same area quite, you know, every time, um, which, you know, kind of you get into some issues with with doing that um, as well. But what I really kind of like myself is the the structures, uh, the, the feeding pads. You know, we back, I guess it was in COVID, we did a field, that virtual field day that we did, Kevin, um, where we went to a farm in Simpson County and the, the producer was utilizing the, the feeding pad that he got uh, through the NRCS uh off i think it's a grant or it's a cost it's some kind of something through the usda nrcs office um of course you have to go by their stipulations and dimensions and all that stuff but uh that particular uh feeding pad worked really well for, for that producer and i think it could really fit into a lot of different uh systems as well um really minimizing your your waste uh for sure um but and it's also a lot easier to clean up. So you're not, and it helps with your, your compaction of your fields too. So you're not driving into a muddy field every time you got to feed, Hey, you're just going, putting your feet, like you said, you're putting your, putting your feet, your, your hay in, sliding it in. And then of course they're on three sides eating. Um, that just kind of minimizes field compaction and, and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, that's the method that I really like. And then of course the bale grazing method works really well too for, like I said, um, nutritional, uh, uh, you know, getting that manure kind of spread across your fields. Um, but the, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that folks are feeding, feeding hay. Um, and you know, one method may not work for, for, you know, this producer that works for the other producer. It's really depends on how you get everything set up. Um, and that kind of thing but yeah mostly like i say mostly mostly out uh in the field with, with rings is what we kind of see we see a little bit of everything uh we've got a couple of feed pads here you know we don't see as many of those um soil conservation nrcs pads up here that like what you're talking about you know we've got mm-hmm. a few but there's some people that's incorporated some fence line feeders like kevin had talked about we see a lot of unrolling hay or some form of unrolling hay. Like I've got a couple of producers that have, um, I think they're called chainless bell feeders. Uh, I mean, I could think of a couple of different brands, but basically the roll, they spin the roll off and it kind of chops them up into a smaller length. And it also basically puts it down in a windrow, kind of like what you would rake a hay, uh, rake some hay in versus like unrolling your you've got pretty much the whole width of the bale there um which you know can have its advantages but but i'm like you all uh you see a little bit of everything i got some adam like you talked about modified bale grazing i guess you could say that <laughs> they're moving those rings around constantly but they're not they're not putting all their hay out that they need for the winter at one time and then you know, moving a fence kind of like you would if you were strip grazing. They're not doing mm-hmm. that, but but in a sense, they're they're moving those rings around kind of like you would. Yeah, that's a, that brings up a good point of uh, one thing we hadn't talked about is it's kind of old school, but you know, uh, limiting uh, access of your hay, uh, how much the livestock can eat. Uh, lots of times, it's uh, you know, it's free choice. They'll they'll eat just as much as they can eat uh, but that's not always 
what they need and they could get by on, on less and, and still be just as good. But they're kind of like me. If, if it's there, they're going to eat it. So <laughs> right. they'll, they'll overeat a little bit, <clears throat> but uh, I'll be doing that tomorrow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, my, uh, goes back to what you, what you used to see a lot of was, uh, barns with hay racks on the side and people putting up square hay and, and you could kind of control it. Uh, you know, you feed them so many bales a day. You got to, but the back, the downside is in today's world, we, no, nobody has time or can take time to go out there once or twice a day and feed feed their hay. Uh, but in a best case scenario, that's probably uh, something that would work good for some folks if if they're looking to uh, cut their cost uh, and the amount of hay they feed. You know, the other option is you don't set a bale out, you leave it empty for a little while and don't set it out. But most of us will keep something in there in the hay ring pretty much all the time. But my father-in-law, I, I was always kind of amazed. He had a, he'd always keep a little 50, 60 horse pair tractor and a greater blade and about a six foot bush hog. That's all he had. But he'd run cows everywhere. But all his barns were fixed to feed that square hay out of. And he would... Uh, contract with people they'd bring it stack it in the barn so uh, when you look at all the expense of the equipment and everything that goes into producing hay uh, sometimes we might be selling a little cheap if you really add it all up but you know that model uh, if you can find a good source for square hay that model really worked good for him but he he was a livestock trader, and he would he knew lots of folks all around, and everybody knew that he would buy square hay. So, um, but it's getting a little harder to find. But uh, finding some way to limit their access and limit the amount we feed every day would would be a big plus as well. And unrolling helps do that. Yeah, uh, absolutely for sure. Uh, we're getting pretty close to time to wrap it up here, guys. Is there anything, any other topics that we want to kind of discuss? I know we've kind of covered a lot, especially with our, with our hay needs. And, and of course, uh, S, as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the hay auction, we can kind of give a, another plug to that. Um, that's of course started as the, it's called the Tri-County Hay Auction. It started as the Monroe, Metcalf, and Barron County. Is that right, Kevin? Mm -hmm. Hay auction. Yep. Then we've kind of uh, expanded that to it's more of a five-county hay auction, but we still call it the Tri-County. <laughs> kind of expanded that to uh, Art County and Allen County, um, mm -hmm. which is obviously the the two counties that uh, Estes and I are in. Um, so we kind of all help help with that and get that arranged and whatnot. Um, but that, like I said, that will be the last Saturday in January. So if you are, and we'll of course have more information about that later on, um, that we'll, we'll talk about it more and get more details and information about that and on how to, uh, um, you know, get consigned and, and that kind of thing and signed up for that. Um, but just kind of to plug it, um, that will be the last Saturday of January. Typically we start at what, nine or 10 o'clock, I believe. Yep. Um, I think we uh we kind of start around i believe it's nine yeah but it's it's always there at the Metcalf county fairgrounds in edmonton so yep. look, look for info coming they accept mm -hmm. hay from uh 
like Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before that. So you can bring your hay in. KDA will be there on that Friday to do the on-site uh, sampling and testing and be attached. So it's it's been a really good thing for both the buyers and the sellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and made some good relationships there between the two. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, we, we might Mayo have to bring... we can't spend the money on our, our trademark lawyer to get it changed to the five county <laughs> right so right we should change it at some at some point though to to make it a little bit more inclusive right <laughs> but yeah if you if you are interested in that and you have hay to sell or if you are looking for hay to buy at that point um in the in the season then uh, you'll kind of obviously you'll know if you what you're needing at that point um, definitely would be glad to help you out as far as that goes. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good, uh, program that you all started, um, you know, in the, that three County area, uh, it's helped a lot of folks. Uh, I know that I've, you know, had definitely had folks from Allen County come and purchase hay, uh, and that kind of thing. We've had folks from all over the state of Kentucky come, um, and once those, uh, buyers and sellers get together, they kind of make their own you know, kind of, uh, deals there where they call each other, uh, and that's the, I guess kind of the hardest part is every year we're kind of looking for new, uh, sellers and buyers because the previous year, you know, they've kind of made that connection with each other. So they just mm-hmm. call on, you know, call each other instead of yeah. coming to the hay auction. But that's, that's what the whole purpose of it is, is to bring those folks to together. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a success in my book, you mm-hmm. know, as far as, as, the way that that works absolutely if we can get to the point where it isn't a necessity to have that mm-hmm. auction that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing right because that means folks have made those connections and yep. got their resources lined up but yeah you're exactly absolutely. right yeah absolutely i ought to mention too that it's not just roll hay right. it's rolls it's big squares it's large square it's uh, small squares a little bit of everything yep we yep. had some dry wrap we we had straw uh we've had mm-hmm. all kinds of quality and sometimes that'll fill you because just a year or two ago when hay inventory was really short uh, the prices were very good for the sellers and the buyers were paying a premium and and uh, yep. but now some years is is not that way so it is a it is a good service and uh, helps bring people together and that's our goal Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I believe that's time to wrap it up, gentlemen. I appreciate y'all joining us this morning and uh, hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving. Um, I know that we probably will be stuffed. Like Kevin said, we'll be free choice in it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm an all day grazer most of the time. <laughs> right, right. What's your body condition score? <laughs> I'm pretty, I think I'm about the top of the chart right now. I'm carrying a little, <laughs> little too much extra, but going into the winter, that's what you want. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We've already talked about that. We, we've covered right. that. Today, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I just try to lead by example that's right that's right i hope y'all have a happy thanksgiving too you too guys great to be all right yep absolutely well we appreciate everybody listening in and y'all catch your skin on digging up ag on the next podcast thank you for listening to today's show with digging up ag we hope you join us back next time as we discuss various agriculture topics until then please write a review and subscribe to our show on the podcast platform of your choice we'll see you next time